1: There's a reason why I started Blood Origins, and that reason is simple: is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting.
2: It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it, Brittany? My name <laughs> is
0: Does My hair look okay? It's fantastic. My
1: name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Kyle Jackson is a New Mexico land manager. He reached out to me when we were dealing with some contentious topics. And public versus private land is a contentious topic in the hunting community. So Kyle reached out to me and wanted to discuss this idea of specifically the elk allocation in the state of New Mexico from a private landowner's perspective. I really, really love this conversation because it gives you details about how elk management is set up in the state of New Mexico, how the TAG system is set up in the state of New Mexico, and brings it to you from the perspective of a private landowner. You don't, you don't look very dusty for someone who's supposed to be working on a ranch.
2: <laughs> no, not, not necessarily. <laughs> Today's an easy day for you? Yeah. I mean, I spend a, a lot more time in the office than I, I guess I really wish or really want to, but uh, uh, that's what happens when you're dealing with a couple hundred hunts a year. So, couple hundred hunts on, what did we say, 500,000 hec- hectares or acres? Acres, 500,000 acres. Still yeah.
1: 500,000 acres is ridiculous. And I Absolutely think ridiculous. Biggest
2: ranch in the West? Largest contiguous uh, piece of property in the United States. Um, no way. Are you yeah, serious? Contiguous. I mean, there's, there's bigger branches, bigger properties, but this is all one, one big chunk of land. So, yeah. And you are all for more
1: elk tags on your property or more elk tags in
2: general? Uh, I'm all for more elk tags in general. Um, but, but I, I think uh, I'm all for landowners being recognized for uh, the habitat that they provide for animals uh, in the form of some sort of compensation. I'm a, and I'm a, you know uh, the the system as it is um, is pretty well set up uh, with the landowner tax. It doesn't cost the public hunter anything. It, uh, it's just an authorization that goes through
1: but Kyle you, you you know you're you're a private guy and you you aren't yourself not the private guy but no. you represent a private guy private guy has a lot of land as we've just articulated has lots of opportunities and that's not fair Kyle why that's not fair to people who want to hunt in New Mexico specifically
2: residents um Defined not fair. I mean, uh, it, it, New Mexico is 50%, 50% private property, 50% public land. Um, and when you look at elk specifically elk, when you look at elk, um, allocations across the landscape, uh, approximately. One two thirds or or almost three quarters of them are are allocated to the public draw, and then, um, and then you have private land allocations, um, and about one thirty those are actually converted into into private land tags.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
2: if you're talking about it being fair in terms of the average person drawing a tag, I, I would say it's probably uh, more than fair, as as the public land gets allocated more licenses than than the private land does, based on the land status. But if you talk about it in terms of the habitat and in terms of the animal um, and what's good for elk and good for growing elk in New Mexico, uh, I think it's easily uh, easily articulated that. Um, public landowners or public land hunters are getting the lion's share of, of elk opportunity in New Mexico.
1: Let me ask a controversial question. Sure. Not that we like to, you know, we don't tend to steer away from controversy. We like to hit it, you know, on the head essentially and address it. Who do you think are better land stewards in the state of New Mexico? Private landowners, or the public landowner
2: by far, in my opinion, it's going to be private landowners. And for a couple of reasons, not, not because the public hunter doesn't want to be a good steward. um, But simply by, by the fact that um, the legislative processes or not necessarily legislative, the administrative processes, to do land stewardship on a landscape scale on public lands is so difficult whereas private landowners and,
1: fi- and a lot of finances right finances that a lot, finances of, finance. that yeah. a lot of finances the state
2: doesn't have and and the feds really don't have either or it has to be it has to be you know appropriated through legislative means and all that takes a lot of time um, whereas private landowners uh, they can they can do it tomorrow, if they want to do it, if they got the money to do it and want to, let's say, uh, thin out a thousand acres of trees, uh, to create better habitat for mule deer, uh, to create a fire break, whatever, whatever the the deal is put in a water, whatever Mm -hmm. they want to do, if they have the money for it and they, uh, they can turn around and do that. Uh, they can hire contractors and get that done in a very short period of time. And so, um, the other thing to, to discuss, as far as that is, private landowners tend to be better stewards of the land because they make a living off of it. Because they uh, they live there and work there uh, day in day out. I always like to say that ranchers are ranchers and are the original environmentalists. Uh, if mm-hmm. they if they treat their property and they treat their resources badly. Uh, they're not going to be in business for very long, and so in order to be uh, to to sustainably keep in business, whether it's cattle or uh, wildlife, wildlife, you've got to have an economic s- incentive, and you've got to take care of that that land that that, mm-hmm. that houses those animals.
1: Mm-hmm. So, before I, I drop the next controversial question, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, since we've been rambling for six minutes, and I didn't even bother to introduce you.
2: Uh, so my name's Kyle Jackson. I am, uh, a hunt manager on a, a large property in New Mexico. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but you can oh. probably figure it out pretty quick if you know the numbers. Um, but I'm also a public land hunter. I grew up, I grew up in ranching, um, got my degree in well, got several degrees, but one of them, my master's was in, in range management, uh, worked for the extension service here in New Mexico on the agricultural side, as well as in Utah. And then I came back and worked for the New Mexico Department of Game of Fish. In law a, enforcement, right? As a conservation officer. Yep. For 10 years. And then uh, the past two years I've been uh, on a private ranch doing doing the hunt management on the private ranch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah, so private land working, but I I do uh, the majority of my hunting on public land. Mm -hmm. So going back to what you said
1: before, we we allowed you to introduce yourself. Um, And dare I say I allowed you. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, I heard you say private landowners have the money, have the wherewithal to invest in their property, to – Put water in. Put fire breaks in. Clear out cedar trees. Make better habitat because it's good for the wildlife. A lot so, of people could argue, though.
2: Go ahead.
1: That wildlife
2: is a public trust. Uh, that, and that, that, and that's not necessarily an argument. That is, uh, that's kind of the rule of thumb here, here in New Mexico and, and across the West, within what has become known. As a North American model of wildlife conservation, right? Does private land fit into the North American wildlife conservation model? Private land is is uh, is key to the North American wild model of wildlife conservation, I think, because the 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 public land um, when you look at again, and I think it, when you term it as when you term it as what is good for wildlife, you have to look at habitat and habitat and wildlife. Hold on two
1: seconds. Let your phone finish.
2: I should go turn that off
1: because <laughs> we won't be able to pull it out of the podcast. Jeez. Desperate to talk to you.
2: Apparently. Not my phone. Office mate's phone. <laughs> Come on. That should be it. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> but So let me go. ask the question again. We'll start sure. again. We'll go back to. It. So the idea of wildlife stewarding on private lands and you know being able to invest in restoration being able to invest in in all these things for wildlife is it not going against the idea of this this thing called the public trust and this thing called the north american wildlife model
2: no um and for a couple of i guess simple reasons one a lot of people talk about the north american model of wildlife conservation as if it's this this founding this foundational um document uh, or or set of principles that was you know put into place by aldo leopold and and those and and while those gentlemen had you know the the founders of the modern conservation movement had hand in that um we didn't really start articulating the North American model of wildlife conservation until about 2001. Um, But when you, when you talk about the North American model of wildlife conservation and, and the idea of the public trust. um, Yes. The, the public trust uh, as, as a principle has come out when you, when you look at the decisions that have been made uh, that formed kind of how the wildlife, North American model of wildlife conservation came about. But that being said, habitat and wildlife don't know boundaries. And so... No, 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 no. Habitat knows boundaries. Sorry. Habitat knows boundaries, but... Wildlife does not. And I would argue that habitat does not either because you have habitat that crosses public and private boundaries.
1: No, 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 no. Habitat can't move. That's that's, Habitat can't move. Wildlife can move.
2: True, but whenever you're whenever you look at a landscape scale management of habitat, you have boundaries in there that you have to deal with public and private. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. So um, I, I would say habitat doesn't move, but it does cross boundaries.
1: <laughs> we will and, agree to disagree on two different points.
2: <laughs> sure. Um, and so, yes, the 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 idea of the public trust in the north american model of wildlife conservation uh, i believe is a valid valid Mm -hmm. valid thought valid principle Mm -hmm. uh, but you also look at private land ownership Um, and that was kind of a founding idea of of america anyways and so yes The wildlife, let's say for here in New Mexico, the wildlife belong to the people of New Mexico. But is that that landowner not also a, most landowners are also citizens, also people Mm -hmm. um, within that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why then
1: is the BHA of New Mexico against the idea of the model that is currently in place? for New Mexico claiming that it goes against the North American wildlife model. So they, and uh, if you have to like step back and go through all like the tag sure. system and sure, sure. Yeah. the A, so,
2: you know, the, the,
1: the primary zone, the secondary zone, the special zone. Cause look, look at me, Hey, I know my stuff.
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. So let's step back and, and look at the, the system itself. Uh, Why don't you tell us their issue first? So and then go through it. What it really boils down, and, and I've, I've worked on this a lot, but when you actually look look at when the, the argument of, let's say, New Mexico BHA, uh, another uh, organization, uh, sportsman's organization that is fighting against the E-plus system is the New Mexico Wildlife Federation. When you actually boil down their arguments, when you look at them at a base level, Their argument is they want to draw another tag. They want to draw, and really, they want to draw another bull tag, trophy bull tag. You know, using the word trophy um, here, it doesn't really specify. But uh, the fact is here in New Mexico, all draw tags for cow elk, and I say trophy bull tag because all cow cow, cow tags in the public draw are already uh, resident tags. Mm-hmm. So when you boil down their argument, it's I want to draw another tag, and re- really what it is, I want to draw another bull tag. Okay. And so um when you look at our system, uh our system for elk specifically, it you you can break it down into three different areas. And so you have a primary zone, a secondary zone, and a special management zone. Mm-hmm. Our primary zone is uh, places where the De- Department of Game and Fish, who we have entrusted with that public trust do- doctrine, they're the ones that manage our wildlife. Right. They've identified these primary areas as places where we are going to actively manage elk. These are where these are areas where you would expect to find elk. Doesn't mean you don't find elk, er- you know, elk outside of that area, but these are areas where, that are quote unquote core, core habitat, primary core habitat. Mm-hmm. And so, in that primary habitat, um, you have you know game game units are established in the state, but in at, under that system, in that primary habitat, in that primary zone, they the game and fish has said yes. Landowners provide meaningful habitat to the wildlife of New Mexico, uh, so they offer you know authorizations. Uh, people call it tags, but there's just an authorization. It's just a number on a piece of paper that has to be converted to a tag. They offer authorizations to those landowners, uh, as a way of recognizing the benefit that it is to wildlife. And so let's take, I'm going to, I'm going to make up a few numbers here just for the sake of it. But, um, let's, let's say we had a game management unit where you had 50% private land, 50% public land.
0: Okay.
2: Um, you they would game and fish manages the animals so they say this is how many elk that we can sustain
0: at Midway USA we know the AR15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history known for its modularity and widespread use it's often considered essential to any gun collection the essential things you need to run an AR15 are usually always in stock during shortages things like magazines and 556 ammo Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop midwayusa.com.
2: We harvest based on their population management goals in this unit, and they would allocate a total number of this is how many elk we, or authorizations, how many potential elk that we think we can kill
1: and that would be split 50-50.
2: That would be split 50-50. So 50% of that's going to go into the public system and 50% of those are going to get set aside for the private land system. Um, and one key point of this is that when you're when people talk about this, they often combine the two systems. Um, their the their ultimate goal that, that they've stated is they want all the private land tags to be done in the public draw. And then, um, if landowners want, they can give, um, you know, trespass rights, but these are two different systems because you're managing animals on, on two different types of, of land.
1: Does New Mexico have just, sorry, does New Mexico have like almost like a private land block management model? Um,
0: like Expl- Montana, explain which Montana. is
1: like, so what it is, is private lands get, um, so the guys that have private lands, they say, we're willing to let people on our property, just like you said, to, to hunt private right. in that unit, And so it's a, almost a, it could be an incentive program. They could get more tags. They could, you know, they get something for enrolling in the yes. program.
2: So we have, um, what they call an open gate program. And mm-hmm. if, a, if a landowner wants to allow hunting private, you know, public hunting on private land, uh, they can receive compensation for that through the open gate program. The E-plus e+ is a little bit different. Um, and going back to the primary zone. So 50% of those tags go to the public draw, 50% go to private. Um, ranches that enroll in into the E-plus system in that primary zone, you have a certain number of ranches that are going to have enough acreage there's an acreage algorithm that they use okay that says this is a base ranch this this ranch is guaranteed to get at least one tag or more because the acreage is there to support elk habitat or a certain number of elk so that's a base ranch those ones get automatic allocations um, out of that 50 percent in that unit then you have small contributing ranches and those ranches can enroll in the system but if they don't have enough acreage or enough habitat um, to sustain, like a, you know, mm-hmm. they they get drawn for a tag, and so a small contributing ranch may not get a tag every year.
1: Okay, that and makes so, sense.
2: And so that's the larger kinda, acreage of farms in the primary
1: zone that do above and beyond ha- uh, their. Above and beyond their sort of allotment, it wouldn't even be an allotment. Above and beyond what they would normally do for habitat restoration, do they get extra elk tags?
2: Yes. So they have. Uh, let me pull it up here so I can look at it here. Um, but basically, they have that the 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 landowners or the lands, I, I guess you should say, are um, evaluated on a scale system that basically gives you points for habitat components makes sense water space all that thing and then it then it adds bonus points for being close to something so if you're close to an agricultural field you might get a bonus point because that's a place where elk are going to be and then if you're doing above and beyond if you're doing extensive habitat work on that property you would get a, a additional points or allocations. Okay. Um, and so all that's within the primary zone. And so... So the issue with the primary zone is... Unit-wide tags.
1: Yeah, 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 unit-wide tags. So
2: whenever you sign up as a landowner, whether you're a base landowner or a small contributing ranch, um, you have to designate whether or not you want to sign up Um, as ranch only or as unit wide. Um, And unit wide, what that basically means is you are uh, uh, opening your property to public hunters, but in return, the allocations that you get, the tags, the, you can hunt somewhere else too. To hunt somewhere else too. And so the big beef, About This system really is about the unit-wide tags where landowners are able to sell, barter, trade tags that are unit-wide that can be used on their property or on public property or public ground. Um,
1: But there is a reciprocal one-for-one relationship for that unit-wide tag, right?
2: Not necessarily one-for-one. So it's just a reciprocal relationship of if it's a unit-wide ranch, public landowners can... Ah. Public hunters can can hunt the private ranch, but the private ranch authorization is also valid on public land.
1: Okay, let me make sure I get this right. So in a unit, this specific, let's just call it private land A. Mm -hmm. Private land A gets two elk tags Mm -hmm. through the unit-wide system. He says I'm in the unit-wide system, so he can hunt his ranch and any public land in the unit.
2: Correct. As and well if, as any other private land that he can get permission on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or any other
1: private land that decided to get in the unit Why tags. Correct. Yep. Okay. And in the same unit, there's 150 public land hunters that drew tags. Those 150 can hunt his property. Correct. And more than
2: likely that private land owner is not getting 150 tags. More than no more than likely that private landowner is is getting uh, very very, about. very few tags much less yes, much less. okay, got it much less. So that's I mean that's really the the main rub. Um, we can talk real quick about the secondary and the special oh, where's management. the
1: rub there? What's the
2: rub the The rub is that um, it seems fair it seems equitable. The rub is that they don't they they, they feel that. The the again it's it comes down to I want to draw another tag. They feel that those the landowners and specifically the hunters who buy those tags uh, are getting to hunt their public land, and, and basically it's a cut in the line. They don't have to draw, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That that's kind of the rub. Um, okay. And let me uh, see if I can find. So, that—that's probably zone. So that's a primary zone, and um, the the New Mexico Council Outfitters and Guides, and and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not plugging for them or anything. But they did a they did a an analysis, and in the primary management zone um, for total across the state, there's a total of three thousand three million four hundred uh, four hundred thousand and some change private land acres there's a total of nine million nine hundred and some change total public land acres okay so triple so triple total acres enrolled in unit-wide is around 590,000 so you're so the unit-wide hunters are getting but but again this is broken down by gmu so it's hard to quantify that you know what i'm saying it's not like uh, if you were in 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 g m u two that you're gonna get um a bunch more acreage to to hunt, but unit wide acreage unit wide acreage to hunt uh, some units will be well based on than that others. number,
1: it sounds like not many private lands enroll in unit wide
2: tax depend depends on which unit you're in it really does it depends on which unit you're in uh but yeah. And 9 so million to
1: 500,000.
2: That's really that's really the rub is you've okay. got a certain amount of unit wide tags for a small acreage that get to hunt a large acreage. That's the rub. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh yes, 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 yes. 500, sorry. I'm, my math was wrong. 500,000 to 3 million. But those 500,000 have access to 9 million public correct. land access.
2: That's correct. So that's okay. the that's the real rub. Uh but so let's talk real quick about the other, the other mm-hmm. uh, zones. You have a secondary management zone, and really that's where they don't, quote unquote, expect to see elk. They're not actively um, managed. again, that's game and fish, managing for elk, and all that's over the counter. Uh, so if a private landowner wants to allow somebody to hunt on his place, they can buy an over-the-counter license, they get written permission, uh, and they can go hunt um, in that area but it's all ranch only. There's absolutely no unit wide in the secondary management zone. Okay. And then you have the special management zone and these, there's only a couple of those units and we actually fall in one of those units, but these are units that fall within the primary zone definition. It's prime elk habitat, but because of the makeup of acreage. So let's take 55A, um, the ranch that we're on based on the acreage algorithm, if they did it the same as the primary zone, that private land would eat up every single tag in that unit. Um, And so they had to create a special management zone to kind of even that out so that you did have public access and public availability of tags and you had um, private land, um, operations as well. And so they get just a certain number of authorizations based on the acreage that they have um, and any incentive authorizations based on habitat work that they're doing. So that's the total system. That's, and when you, when you, when they talk about all of this stuff, really the rub is with the unit wide system. But in, in my opinion, they're, they're Proposed solution, um, it is does not work for the state. Does not work. What is the proposed solution? Proposed solution is to take the entire all of uh all of the authorizations that are private land authorizations and put them in the public draw and make everybody do a draw to get an elk tag. And then if they want to hunt private land, they can get. Um, written permission or pay a trespass fee or whatever else and there's no and they
1: there's in in their solution there's no consideration for like extra points for the private landowners based on the amount of work, effort that they're putting on the landscape for wildlife habitat restoration
2: none whatsoever they their opinion is that it should uh if if landowners are to be compensated for providing habitat that should be in a monetary form
1: doesn't that disincentivize landowners to do? Doesn't that? Wouldn't that model disincentivize landowners to say,
2: "Well, why am I even caring for the habitat if I can't hunt my land myself?" Exactly, and that's and that, that's the real argument um, when you look at it from a habitat perspective. Is um, and, and it and it having been with game and fish, I dealt with this. They they went in the in the they had a antelope private land system and they just you know they actually went away with that that private land system and just made it over the counter ranch only uh, and I'm not going to get into that but basically when that happened there were ranch owners that said if you take away this incentive I'm just going to basically either kill the animals or you can I'm going to tell you you can come get them and so yes it does disin- disincentivize and i th- they To me, it seems like they're under this some false pretense that if you force everything into the public draw, landowners are automatically going to allow hunters onto their place to hunt or to manage, you know, to do management hunts for the animals. And that's not going to happen. Specifically here in New Mexico, um, we have a law they call the Jennings Law, um, and it was put into place to provide an outlet for landowners who were. Experienced depredations by wildlife uh, that, if if it, that if they could not come to res- resolution, allowed them to basically kill animals. Um, and when you talk about Jennings Law, on its face, in that way, it sounds really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's it only does. been a there's only been a few instances where it's been taken advantage of, uh, where uh, and there's a there's a cute, a few really key instances where it was taken advantage of. But for the most part what it does is allows landowners to deal with depredating wildlife, um, specifically small wildlife like raccoons without having to waste department resources on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's my argument against the monetary, you know, compensation uh, of landowners for that habitat is where is that money going to come from? It's going to come out of, You know, hunters and anglers' pocket because New Mexico game and fish is about 98% funded by licensed dollars in New Mexico. We don't get general fund uh, appropriations from tax dollars. And so we're going to be paying more for animals that we now, nobody can hunt. Um, And when you put, so roughly last year in 2020, 2021 year, Thirty-four thousand elk licenses were uh, activated in New Mexico. Uh, about thirteen thousand of those on private land. Okay. So let's say twenty-two thousand on, on public land being hunted right now, and everybody you talk to talks about how there's so many people in the woods and too many mm-hmm. too many hunters out there. Mm-hmm. Well, the the proposal for them to take that extra thirteen thousand and put that in the public draw that adds extra pressure onto public land, which then drives wildlife onto private land again, but now you're not going to be able to hunt them. Nobody's going to be able to hunt them. So I get it, right? Yeah.
1: I get what you're saying, but I also see the conundrum. Sure. I also see the conundrum that is, again, me coming from South Africa, which is a very much a value-based wildlife model that the, the animals belong to the private landowner and nobody can access it except the private landowner. Mm-hmm. Um, the North American model is not that model. The North American model is that it's a public trust and that people, anyone, no matter your level of financial status, no matter whether you are a rich banker in New York or you are a street sweeper in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you can hunt and you can hunt this trust. Yep. However, again, conundrum on conundrum on conundrum, you, the, the, the base foundational element for wildlife is habitat. And habitat needs to be maintained. Habitat needs to be worked on. Habitat needs to be you know, fully uh, integrated into a systems-based approach. Yes. And private land is the best. When so, it comes to management of land,
2: yeah, and so let me let me also address the 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 statement about the public trust and that anybody has uh, has access to it. I, I would argue that this system still falls within that because even the landowner authorizations that are provided to landowners, those the landowner does not receive. Automatic compensation for those. Technically, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. We've already talked about this. We, ha- we had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get into this argument about authorizations, and it's not technically a tag, and he's not getting any money. Come on, man. He's going to, He wants
2: to sell. He's going to sell that authorization to get money. He is. But my argument is that he's selling the trespass rights and the exclusivity of his private land because the authorization still has to be converted to a license and the money to convert that license goes to the game and fish. And so the, the, the wildlife is still in trust to the game and fish or to the people of New Mexico, because that, that animal is being paid for through the license fee. Mm -hmm. There's not a change in license fee. Mm -hmm. And there's also any number, there's a ton of authorizations because private landowners are fairly conservative with the amount of animals that they harvest.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's
2: usually lots of authorizations that are left over that don't get used. The landowner doesn't get any money for those authorizations. That's true.
1: That's
0: true.
2: No, it's certainly a a, 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 a
1: one of those contentious topics. And I think that's why you reached out to me. Yeah, I think it was opposed to me talking about contentious topics. And you're like, hey, <laughs> have you heard about our contentious topics? here in the state of New Mexico. yeah, Um, And um, you're right, it's, you know, high fence, low fence. I was just in Texas dealing with high fence versus low fence, Um, public versus private, it's, um, there's a lot of discourse that needs to happen. And I, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, there's not going to be a right answer here. There's going to be a balance that needs to be struck. Um, and whether or not you have the right balance right now in terms of public tags versus private tags. Or I think one of the things we mentioned before in our conversation was the idea of okay, is there an opportunity for a public land hunter to get access to a private land, almost like a special draw kind of scenario? Okay, we hear you. We're going to give you a little bit more access, a little bit more opportunity. And here's the special, you know, special tag, special draw
2: system. Right. Yeah. Now, and I think. You know, I, I don't think it's a hard line on on at least on on the landowner side. You know, we talked about um, talked about cow tags in uh, in New Mexico. I would I would highly argue that most of the um, cow authorizations for private land uh, go to New Mexico residents. Um, they get donated. We donate uh, probably. 30 to 40 every single year. And the majority of those go to, to New Mexico residents. Um, additionally, me personally, I, I, I have seen issues with the unit wide system. And, and while I don't think that the unit wide system necessarily needs to go away completely, I do think, uh, absolutely that it needs to be audited. I've run into places on, on public land where we came across a little piece of, um, of unit wide property, and it was about 300 yards wide, and it was about half a mile long, and it was surrounded by public land. So my question was, what is what is the trade-off here? Is not worth it? Mm-hmm. Why why are these people getting a unit wide tag? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do think that that part of the system definitely should be audited and looked at more more closely. But I don't think scrapping the entire system to put everything in the public draw uh, is the solution, um, and I could get into a myriad of different reasons for that—economic reasons, um, landowner incentive reasons. Uh, we probably just don't have time to get into that today, but um, there are so many different factors to to consider. I think I think you're exactly right. Having this dialogue is probably. Warranted and probably valid. Um, I can't wait to have a dialogue. Is it
1: Jess? Is Jess the head of New Mexico BHA?
2: Um, Jesse, Jess Lorenzo, uh, no. So Jesse DuBell is the uh director of the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, and Joel Gay, I think, is the president of the New Mexico BHA chapter. Well,
1: we, we need to have the conversation with him to hear this, the other side of the coin, um, yeah, for sure. But, um, Man, I enjoyed it. I um, I appreciate you reaching out to me, Absolutely. and uh, and having a having a strong, you know, back and forth discussion, which we like, we always love to have. And uh, I can't wait to come out to your place and uh, and see the restoration and habitat management efforts that private land owners are putting in the ground because I think that's a like we like to say it's a success untold. Absolutely, it's a success that. Uh, that people don't realize is happening because of hunting and because of hunters.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. Can't wait to hang you out.
1: And when that management bison comes
2: up, Hey, give me a shout. Okay. I'm ready. Any any old time. You let me know when you want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Carl. Thank you, my man. You bet. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening.
1: As always leave a review, share it with your friends. And most importantly, Do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.